Welcome to Gospel Perspectives on World History, and I'm your host, Michael Stone. Thank you for joining us as we uh, begin looking at the secular history of the world through the lens of the restored gospel of Jesus Christ. While this podcast is primarily geared towards members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, anyone who has an interest in topics of faith and history are welcome to join us. And uh, as an important legal notice, while I do intend to center what I share as much as possible on their verified uh, details of the historical record and on ancient and modern scripture approved by the church, I do want to stress that the views I share here do not necessarily represent official doctrine, policy, or the views of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and that I take full responsibility for the content and programming of this podcast. So, last time, we discussed ancient Egypt, a civilization that has made an indelible lasting imprint on popular memory with all sorts of Egyptian-themed movies, books, and other media. I have been most excited to share with you another ancient civilization today that was, in my opinion, more advanced and, in a number of ways, even more impressive than ancient Egypt, and yet doesn't get near as much attention. And that's the Harappan civilization. Now, if you want to get an idea for where we find this group, you'll probably have better luck if I gave you my preferred name for this civilization, the Indus River Valley civilization. Uh, I let out with Harappan because it's uh, shorter and Indus River Valley Civilization doesn't really fit easily uh, into the episode label, but uh, I digress. The Indus River, for those of you who haven't taken a geography class in a while, is a major river in the northwestern part of the Indian subcontinent that runs from northeast uh, to the southwest. And systematic agriculture came to this region by at least 7,000 BC, if not earlier. But we don't see the development of the major urban centers that made the, uh, uh, the foundation of the Indus River Valley civilization until about uh, 2800 BC. And though there were a number of cities in this region whose ruins bear the same archaeological traits as this uh, civilization, scholars tend to focus more on the two largest urban centers known as Mohenjo-Daro and Harappa today, uh, hence uh, the term Harappan. So, again, I want to stress this. This civilization started around uh, 2800 BC. It is going to last for over a thousand years, largely disintegrating around uh, 1500 BC. Keep that time frame in mind. Because if this is the first time you've heard about this group, I can guarantee you that you're not going to be able to anticipate just how advanced organized and resourceful this group was, eclipsing, in my opinion, the mathematical, architectural, and uh, astronomical achievements of Egypt and Sumer, partly because this group also was able to develop a comparable grasp on uh, those same ideas. No, when I say these people are advanced, they are very advanced. I mean, they had indoor plumbing. They had bathrooms. Yes. 2000 BC. They had bathrooms with working flushing toilets. Now, I could understand if some of you listening might not think that the porcelain throne in your home isn't much more impressive than developing number systems and building pyramids, but I'm going to tell you today that you're going to be reminded that it's from the small and simple things that come that which is great. 
especially if you take into account that the same kind of convenience that the Indus River Valley had in 2000 BC with these toilets did not appear again until just a couple centuries ago, in the 1800s. You do the math. These people were about 4,000 years ahead of their time. If you don't believe me, Google it. You can see photos of their bathrooms today, excavated by archaeologists. And these ancient peoples made these bathrooms work by using something as simple as gravity. Sloped channels supplied with water from the Indus River would flow into these people's homes, and when that water gets uh, used, shall we say, it would flow out of the home into a proper sewage system that would keep the streets clean. Contrast that with the usual standard for most every other city in the world until the 1800s, which was to dump a chamber pot out into the street. And then tell me that the Indus River Valley civilization doesn't deserve every inch of credit that they do uh, for this achievement. Also, bear in mind that this is not just a simple matter of convenience. Ever since the Neolithic Revolution and the increase in population density that came along with its uh, new urban centers, humanity has literally been plagued with the issue of controlling disease. If you are ever curious which has killed more people, either per capita or just as a raw number, uh, it's, it's never war in history. It's always disease. These people were able to get ahead, however, and save who knows how many lives uh, over that uh, thousand or so year period of their civilization just by using very simple, very easy measures to keep their homes and streets clean. So with that in mind, I'll tell you that the two biggest themes I see from this early culture is cleanliness and order. And uh, with that in mind, I believe you'll come to find that there is much Latter-day Saints in particular can appreciate about this group. Now, one reason why many scholars are convinced that cleanliness was such a central part of these people's lives was the fact that the most defining architectural feature in Mohenjo-Daro is something known as the Great Bath. It's a large, almost 900 square feet work of brick, stone, and mortar. Uh, and because so many of the homes had more than adequate bathing and washing facilities, it's believed that this great bath was not used for routine everyday washing, but instead for a religious ceremony of some sort. In other words, these people weren't just concerned about outward cleanliness, but a spiritual cleanliness as well, most likely. And as Latter-day Saints, we know that baptism was a practice that wasn't introduced by John the Baptist. He uh, kind of reintroduced it, uh, I, I suppose, if uh, uh, you look at it from the perspective of him bringing back the proper authority to conduct baptisms, but he was not the first person to baptize. Moses baptized the children of Israel after they had crossed the Red Sea, as we learn from the Joseph Smith translation of the Bible. Baptism is a universal principle of the gospel, introduced to followers of Christ no matter the time or age of the world as long as there is a true dispensation of the gospel present. Now, I don't have any definitive evidence to say that these people in this particular group here in Mohenjo-Daro or Harappa uh, had the priesthood. And if they did, I can tell you they did very certainly fall away from the gospel. 
as much of this group's writings and relics uh, suggest a very polytheistic culture. But it is my personal opinion that these people's earliest ancestors were at least in contact with followers of Christ, if those same ancestors were not themselves priesthood holders. Now, one reason why I am inclined to believe that Mohenjo-Daro and Harappa may have had some contact with the gospel is also the very unique uh, nature of the architecture uh, of their cities. There is no massive palace complex, no easily definable centralized government building. Now, that isn't to suggest that there wasn't a government here, because there's just too much coordination, too much organization in the design of these cities to suggest otherwise. But most scholars have concluded that unlike many other ancient groups that lived around the same time and after, there wasn't really a big disparity between rich and poor. And personal wealth was not concentrated in the hands of a few business magnates or charismatic priests. Think for a moment, compare this uh, to what happened when uh, uh, Christ uh, visited the earth. Think of the impact that he had on the societies that he came into contact with. In both Israel and the Americas, his followers adopted similar egalitarian practices, so much so that we are told there were no rich nor poor among them. Unfortunately, in both of those cases, and evidently in the case of the Indus River Valley civilization, while this uh, equality lasted for quite some time, something came along uh, to disrupt that equality. We are not 100% sure what it was with the Indus River Valley civilization, but uh, we know in the case of the Israelites on both sides of the world, as well as uh, Joseph Smith's and Brigham Young's attempts to institute the full law of consecration, we know that the most common cause of the failure of the law of consecration isn't that the law is bad or that the idea of social equality is faulty. It's the same phenomenon that parents have to deal with when one child gets one toy in their Happy Meal and the others don't get that same toy. Envy, greed, they're, they're powerful, powerful emotions, powerful forces, uh, not just for toddlers, but for adults as well. The difference is that I sometimes feel like adults think they are somehow more resilient than children to selfishness and greed. So here's uh, the part where I will put a plug in uh, for Mosiah chapter 4 in the Book of Mormon, which provides a, uh, a King Benjamin sermon on being more equitable and just, especially with the poor in our communities. It's quite a contrast to this uh, gospel of wealth notion that's uh, out there uh, among other uh, groups, where uh, accruing as much wealth for yourself is, is somehow a sign of God's favor. Uh, again, yes, we do need money, and uh, God can uh, bless us in material matters, but we have to ask ourselves, where are our hearts? What are we really seeking out of life? Because it, it because if it's all about money, that's where we uh, cross the line. Anyway, uh, again, this wouldn't be the first time uh, where the true gospel would have such a deep split with uh, worldly materialism and consumerism. Uh, so anyway, I do highly recommend reading Messiah chapter 4, uh, and so if you're wondering what to do for scripture study today or didn't have specific plans, uh, take a look at Mosiah chapter 4. Anyway, back to the Indus River Valley civilization. As I said, just because there wasn't a, a palace or a central administrative building 
It doesn't indicate that there wasn't a government in place. And I had said that was the case because of the incredible amount of organization that this civilization had. How organized were they? Well, take into account how they built their streets and homes. All the buildings in these cities are aligned very precisely. So precisely, in fact, that archaeologists noticed that these people planned their cities out in advance. Some of you probably might now be thinking, wow, a city that actually plans for its growth. Wish mine did that. But uh, the big achievement here is that these people uh, did this uh, by planning out their cities and blocks and homes in advance. Uh, by them doing that, they were able to take advantage of the monsoonal winds uh, of the region. They knew that these winds would very predictably blow air currents along very regular directions. And hence, by angling their homes and windows just right, they had air conditioning. And do you know what really makes their air conditioning so advanced? They didn't have to pay for it. Uh, face it, folks, these people were more advanced than we are. I, I mean, sure, not everyone in every climate could use the same idea. Wind patterns can be unpredictable in other areas, and yet... This was 4,000 years ago, and these people living here had AC using something as small and as simple as a little forethought and a little observation. In this, I am reminded of Elder Uchtdorf's talk in October 2010, where he taught uh, of the power of the small and the simple and the basic. Uh, I'll quote uh, from that talk here, uh, beginning here. There is a beauty and clarity that comes from simplicity that we sometimes do not appreciate in our thirst for intricate solutions. For example, it wasn't long after astronauts and cosmonauts orbited the Earth that they realized ballpoint pens would not work in space. And so, some very smart people into work solving the problem. It took thousands of hours and millions of dollars, but in the end, they developed a pen that could write anywhere, in any temperature, and on nearly any surface. But how did the astronauts and cosmonauts get along until the problem was solved? They simply used a pencil. Elder Uchtdorf continues here. Leonardo da Vinci is quoted as saying that simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. When we look at the foundational principles of the plan of happiness, the plan of salvation, we can recognize and appreciate in its plainness and simplicity the elegance and beauty of our Heavenly Father's wisdom. Then, turning our ways to His ways is the beginning of our wisdom. So, I'll close quote there. The power of the plain and simple is a force to be reckoned with. And though sometimes it is tempting to perhaps sigh with boredom as Sunday talks, Sunday school lessons, and uh, church leaders and others keep repeating what we call the, the primary answers, that of reading the scriptures, praying, keeping the commandments. I know that, at least in my experience, I need that repetition. I need the reminders of these basics because they are just that easy for me to forget, as small and as simple and as vital as they are. So again, back to the history here. As advanced as this culture was, it might seem strange that they could have disappeared, but disappear they did. And there are a, a few theories as to uh, what may have happened. There is some evidence to suggest that 
climate change at the time dried up their river, which, given what we know about them, would understandably seriously impact their society. Uh, their disappearance also coincides with a pastoral nomadic group uh, called by modern scholars the Indo-Europeans, or the Aryans in this particular case. And this is not the Aryans that Hitler was talking about, because he was just making stuff up, as uh, Hitler did all the time. Uh, no, these Aryans that we're talking about here seemed uh, uh, were not really related at all uh, to Germany. Um, these Aryans uh, were just simply more militaristic uh, than the Indus River Valley peoples. But whether the Aryans conquered these people or simply moved in uh, and made themselves at home and syncretized their culture with theirs, it, it, we just don't know. Uh, in fact, uh, it might be that climate change, conquest, or mixing with this group, maybe all three of those happened at the same time. Uh, compounding our difficulty in learning the truth of what happens to this group is the fact that their writing system to date it has not been translated. And no one can understand it. There hasn't been a Rosetta Stone artifact that provides any sort of uh, a, a correlation with known alphabets and to what their glyphs that, that they left behind may mean. But I can tell you this, I am very interested uh, to learn more, especially since either during the millennium or the next life, the full history of our world will be revealed, as we know all things will be. And those tantalizing questions of how much this ancient people knew about the gospel will be answered then. And that concludes our episode for today. Next time we'll head into another river valley with a culture that will last far longer than any other ancient civilization. We'll only cover the first few dynasties of the civilization in that next episode. And yet I think you'll find there is plenty of crossover with the gospel in it. Uh, because uh, next time we'll be talking about ancient China. Also, if you have enjoyed this podcast, be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you know others who would enjoy this series, please consider sharing it with them. One easy way to do that, use the link in the episode description from uh, our show's website and share that on your ward social media page so that other members of the church can enjoy this show as well. I would like to thank everyone who has supported the launch of this podcast, including my lovely wife, my kids, and my loving brother-in-law, Spencer, for uh, suggesting that I go through with this idea. And again, thank you for listening, and stay safe out there.